Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16, and then we're going to go to Galatians chapter 4 and read verses 3 through 7. We're on the series in Romans chapter 8, and today we're going to speak about the adoption, the spirit of adoption. And Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You there? Guys, got that? Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. A lot of assurance there in those verses, isn't it? Galatians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 3 through 7. In the same way also, Galatians 4, 3, in the same way also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless these words as we speak about the spirit of adoption sent into our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And you may be seated. Adoption, adoption. Hello to the self family. Many greetings from Baltimore to you guys. Adoption, as you know, that this is a word that is kind of close to the Moore family right now. You know, adoption. We get to flesh out. We get to incarnate the theology of adoption through this whole process. And this is really the true heart of the gospel, isn't it? Adoption. It's the hardest thing that we've ever done. <laughs> I can't imagine having more than one. I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> Free for us. We're doing all right, though. My wife is getting like 10 minutes of sleep a night. Adoption. No, that's exaggeration. Adoption. You know, this is a topic that we don't really hear preached a lot about, do we? We don't hear a lot of top. We don't hear a lot of preaching about this. And really, there should be. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, that for some inexplicable reason, it is a doctrine about which we hear very little about. How often have you heard sermons about it? Warren Wearsby said this, he feels that a proper understanding of adoption, spiritual adoption, is important if you and I are to enjoy our Christian life to the fullest. J.I. Packer also says this, he says, He said that understanding our adoption is the foundation of a lively, victorious Christian life. And he writes this. If it's not the thought that prompt, if this is not the thought that prompts and controls our worship and prayer and our whole outlook of life, it means that we are not understanding Christianity, Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new Everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Now, when we say fatherhood, 
I think there's a lot of us in this room and maybe in this world that had just fallen fathers or maybe did not have a father. Maybe some have grown up in the foster care system. Maybe some were adopted and it was a very, it was not a great experience. And so the fatherhood, Satan is always trying to to distort and to taint the the true image of who God the Father is. And this morning I want to talk about three things. What is the spirit of adoption? What does that mean? Number two, how does this change us? How does this change our lives? How does this change us? And then number three, what does it mean that we are children of promise? Ready? Yes. You ready to go? I love Romans 8. I just could stay here the rest of my life. Number one, the spirit of adoption. What does that mean? And why is that so important? You know, some incredible people have been adopted. Do you know that Steve Jobs was adopted? you know that? Some really famous people were adopted. But adoption, spiritual adoption, goes beyond physical adoption in the sense that it's spiritual. The Greek word for adoption is from huios, which is a son. And the word thesis, a placing. And it signifies the place and the condition of a child given to one whom it does not naturally belong to, naturally. And that child takes on all the rights, all the privileges, and the inheritance of the family. We just read this in Romans 8.15 and Galatians 4. This also says in Ephesians 1 verse 5 that, We were adopted, but we were already in the mind of God in eternity past. That God was already thinking about adopting us. Isn't that beautiful? That God's adoption, God's adoption of us as foreigners that did not naturally belong to God was in his mind and that he was already very, very eager to see this happen. I like what William Barclay said about this. He said, in the ancient world, the adopted person... Listen to this, lost all rights in his old family. The old family to the old family and to and the new and the new child to the to the old family. And he gained all the rights of a fully legitimate son in his new family. And in the most literal sense and in the most binding way, he got a new dad. Isn't that beautiful? That we in the most binding and most legitimate way have received a new father, a spiritual father. And that is God the Father. This gets better. In addition, all of his debts were legally canceled. Isn't that amazing? If this kid, and I can't imagine a little child in the Roman system that had debts. I don't know, maybe the debts from the family landed on the child. I'm not sure. Sometimes children were sold into slavery because of the debts of the family. But all of his debts were legally canceled in Colossians 2 verse 14. His old life was completely erased. And he was regarded by the Roman law as a new person. Isn't that amazing? Now, do you see the, the thread of redemption in this? This is incredible. Similarly, in our spiritual adoption, the moment we as just undeserving sinners that we could have never qualified for this in our own, we're adopted by our Heavenly Father as his, as his children. Our entire status is extremely and eternally changed forever. And this has happened in five ways. If you're writing notes, just get these. What does spiritual adoption mean for us? Number one, we get a new name. It's amazing to see how there is such a push for names. You know, when you see on the 
an advertisement, really the, the pushing of a name. Because people that don't know Jesus Christ have no name. They have really no name, and they have to push their own agenda. But as a born-again Christian, we have a new name. Number two, we're in a new family. We're in a brand-new family. I think blended families have this, this, this exciting experience as well. Number three, new rights. We have new rights, rights that we never had before. I like number four. Number four is new expectations. We have new expectations. New expectations. This is amazing. And number five, an unlike human adoption, whereas in human, in human adoption, in a physical adoption, we don't get a new nature. But in the kingdom of God, in the spiritual adoption, we get a brand new nature. And this is going to be exciting to talk about in a few minutes. We are actually becoming partakers in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, of the divine nature of God. So adoption is so important to understand. I think that we have met people, we have met people, and you have met people that have just been from, gone from family to family to family over their childhood. And this has been, this can be so, this can be so damaging, and there can be so many questions in that little kid's, in that little kid's head, like, what have I done that, that these families don't want to keep me? But you know something, even if that's our past, even if we, we have these wounds, they can be healed because now we are in a brand new family, and that's called the family of God. And this is a family that we are never going to get booted from. This is a family that we're never going to be moved out of. Okay, I'm going to take you out of here and move you somewhere else. There are spiritual orphans out there that go from body to body to body because they just can't find spiritual food. They can't get the nutrition that they need as a spiritual babe. Spurgeon said this about adoption. Adoption, spiritual adoption gives us the rights of children. Rights of children. Regeneration gives us the nature of children. So when you are adopted into a family like like we are praying that we can adopt Caleb. Pray for that. Pray that we can do that. You know, pray that that could be the end, end goal. And, and I ask this body to pray with us, really be praying for us every week. I just feel like that this is, you know, when it comes to kids, you don't really see the, the, the hideousness of the devil until it comes to kids. You know, you don't see that because Satan hates kids. He hates your kids. And that's why we have, as, have to, as moms and dads, fight for our kids, love our kids, invest in our kids, and make sure that they understand that they are safe and that they are loved, even though we may be limited and fallen. Spurgeon said this, adoption gives the rights of children, but guess what? Regeneration as a new creation gives us the nature of children. We're no longer, as it says in the book of Ephesians, children of wrath, children of wrath. I remember living in, well, ministering in Odessa, Ukraine. And in Odessa, Ukraine, there are, it's a, it's a, it, Ukraine is a, it's a very hard-hit country. And at that time, uh, Ukraine was coming out of communism, and their entire infrastructure had just dilapidated. The, the entire economy, uh, public transportation, everything that was public, the public infrastructure began to fall and began to collapse. And the only way that the city was moving forward was just by the, just by the, the energy and the movement of just people selling things at the market, um, fixing things and just kind of stepping in. And we, what we found, what we had seen a lot was, and Odessa is kind of like the Las Vegas of Ukraine. It's just a place that people would go to party, um, and then they would just, they would just. It's a beach town. Uh, it's just a very worldly place, very much like Corinth. And kids would come on the scene unexpectedly, and they would be left there, as people go back home. And 
these kids would wind up on the street. We met many times little kids, you know, under like four, five, six, seven, eight, ten year, ten year old kids that were out begging. And it was just horrible how they were how they were treated. Uh, somebody would come into the scene, somebody that had ill intent, uh, get the kids uh, hooked on sniffing glue, and then uh, once they were hooked. Um, they would send the kids out on the street to beg for money, bring the money back to the guy that was providing the glue, and then they could get their glue. So we would find kids on the street under these trees. It was a beach town um, high on glue. And we had families that would go in. Uh, we had one family from Poland that actually had taken a family of these kids into their home, raised them themselves, and now they are just incredible people, uh, just beautiful people that are, some of them are married and have kids themselves. We are not children of wrath. When we look at kids like that, we see kids on the street that are just, they are just, it seems to be that they are living under the wrath of the system. We are not those kids. We are not orphans. We are not on the street. When you look at your life, sometimes you think, what's my future going to bring? What's the future look like? And we kind of feel like that this world is out of control. We watch the news. And by the way, can I tell you something? Don't watch too much news. Just don't watch it because there's so much like, even the conservative stuff, I don't agree with them. It's just so ridiculous what they're talking about. And it's like so anti-God in so many ways. And, and, and um, conservatives, just because something's conservative, it doesn't mean it's biblical. And it could be just very much not the heart of God. And so I just want to say, read your Bible and, you know, understand what's happening in the world so you can pray. But but fellowship with the heart of God because we are not orphans. You know, when we watch the media too much, when we're too involved with information, we live in an information age. And by the way, information does not bring freedom. It brings more bondage, doesn't it? <laughs> the more I know about what's going on, the more I'm just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And, it's, and you know what? Information, we have so much information at, the, at our fingertips. I mean, you could, you could like ask Google anything. I don't use Google anymore. I use a web, uh, a web search engine, which is better and it's more private. It's called DuckDuckGo, I think it's called. And it's much more cleaner. You don't get all that trash that you get on Google. And when, you, when, we, um, when, we, as, when we are um, assimilating information, it can actually steal your faith. Too much information could actually steal your trust in God. So be careful what you are what you're, um, partaking of. And I, I want to read a story, and I read it early this morning. What's great about having a little kid is you get to wake up really early before everybody else. Really early. And I got to do that this morning. And I just read this story about Sarah Forbes Bonetta. How many have heard of that story? Okay, this is an amazing story. I'm sure you have not heard this story. It's a little known fact that Queen Victoria in the 1800s adopted a 10th child. Sarah Forbes Bonetta. And here's her story. This wasn't just any child. The little princess was a Yoruba royalty from Nigeria before her parents were brutally killed during a military raid. Aged just five, she was captured by the king of Dahomey in 1848, and she was destined for human sacrifice or slavery. But the orphan was rescued by a British naval officer, Frederick Forbes, who was on a mission to end the slave trade among the Dahomeans. He convinced the slave hunters to present young Sarah as a gift to Queen Victoria and took her back on his ship called the HMS Bonetta. 
hence her adoptive name. This was unheard of for an African slave to be taken in by a British royal family in the 19th century. Absolutely unheard of, especially by the Queen of England. Sarah grew up with the Queen's children around her, and she was treated just like a member of the Queen's own family. Can you see the thread of redemption here? Queen Victoria was very kind to her, and it was a relationship that was really ahead of its time. Captain Forbes essentially saved Sarah's life, rescuing her from years of slavery and even death. Sarah, who the queen called Sally, loved Victoria. Sarah loved this queen so much that she named her first daughter after her. This is the story of the heart of God. This is God's heart towards us. He seeks us out on that road of slavery and into death. The Holy Spirit, and I think for us to understand the power, for us to understand the power of adoption, the spirit of adoption, we have to understand what it says in Romans chapter 8, that, that God has sent his spirit as a witness and an affirmation of our salvation. You know something, I want to say that it's great to believe the Bible. I mean, it's critical, it's vital. But without a spiritual without a communion, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, without prayer, without the Holy Spirit speaking to you, we have to develop that subjective relationship with God. It's not really subjective, it's objective, but there's a subjective part of us that needs to be spoken to by the words and by the, the, the care of the, the spirit of adoption. We need to be comforted. Um, because we're in this foster story, you're gonna hear a lot of we're gonna hear a lot of stories about Caleb. You know what he'll do sometimes? He'll be playing, and it'll stop, and it'll come over to us. He just wants to be picked up. We pick him up for a few minutes, and then he's good. He wants to go back down and play. He does it like that four or five times. He just wants to be affirmed in his relationship with us, and that's what we need to do with God. And in the midst of what we're doing with our you know with our toys, we're adults. We all have toys. It's just to take a break and run to the arms of Dad. And just get affirmed by the love of the Father that he's there and that he's not going to run away. And that's, that's what we do as dads and that's what we do as moms. We're affirming the love of God to our kids. And you know something? I think parenting is hard in the sense that, and it's hard and it's not hard. It's very, it's just amazing. But it's challenging in the sense because it takes us beyond our own limits of our own love. And it's just laying down. I mean, parenting is just the most awesome opportunity to understand the unconditional lay down life of Christ when we lay our lives down for our kids and for uh, for these for these kiddos that God has given us God sends his son he sent his son and he, that holy that spirit of adoption it affirms of us our salvation and God sent his spirit into us and that spirit what is that spirit saying it's saying two things what is it saying in Galatians chapter 4 Abba Father Right? And number two, it prays when we can't pray in Romans chapter 8. I remember a very hard time in my life. I was in Bible school uh, many years ago. I was in Lenox. Very, just very challenging. Uh, didn't understand anything that was going on. I was 18 years old. And I just remember getting to a point where I couldn't even pray. I said, God, I can't even pray. And that happens to me sometimes where I don't even know how to pray. And I just remembered this verse in Romans chapter 8, that when we cannot pray, the Spirit prays in us. What I did was I just got really quiet. I didn't try to pray. I just got quiet, and I, try, I wanted to listen to the Holy Spirit in me praying to God, to His Father. And when you get quiet, and when you get 
When you shut off, when you just shut, when you, I like that principle in the book of Matthew. It says, shut the door. Shut the door. Close the door. And be by yourself before the Lord. We need those times. And when we do that, we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit praying for us. Isn't that beautiful? God is, the, Jesus prays for you. No matter what you think of yourself today. You, must, you may think that you're like the worst person on the planet. And that probably is true. That's why grace is so amazing to us. Because in the, in the depravity of, of, of human depravity, grace shines the greatest. Grace always goes to the lowest point, just like water. When there's a flood, what gets flooded first? Holes in the ground. Those hidden places. And when we feel that way, we need to quiet ourselves and begin to fellowship with that spirit of adoption that's saying that you belong you're accepted, you're loved, and I'm proud of you. I think that's important for us to say to kids and to our family that I am proud of you. I'm so proud of you. The social worker that works with us, or the caseworker, not social worker, the caseworker that works with us tells us that we have to say, I love you very often, more than we think we do to this little kiddo. Whenever we go to the father, we run to his arms we're going to hear those words. I love you. I love you so much. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so what does that mean? That we are no longer enslaved to the spirit of fear. Do you know how kids act when they don't know who their parents are, or where their parents are? You ever seen a kid lost in a mall? I mean, that's a, I mean, his look on his face. If that is your experience, you are now in the spirit of adoption. You have been adopted. And not only adopted with the rights, with no debt from the, from, from the flesh, but you are now partakers of the new nature. You're no longer partakers of that old insecure nature of the old flesh, the old, the old family, the old that, that old family, but now you are now partakers of a brand new family, and that's the family of God. That is God the Father. So number two, how does this, that's adoption. That's, that's the spirit of adoption. Number two, how does this change us? How does this change us? Well, I was on the plane yesterday. And by the way, it was funny because I sat down and next to me was this, was this couple. And you know, these planes, these domestic planes are really small. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Either I'm growing larger or the, or the seats are getting smaller. So like I'm sitting there and I can literally not do anything but just sit there. Like, and so there's this couple next to me. And they're looking at me, they're a sweet couple, and they're just, and he, the, the husband's next to the window, and he goes, you want to change? And I'm like, I don't know, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't want to get stuck in that window. And we, So we, the plane takes off, and I open my, my Bible, and I start going through Romans 8. And I look over, and he has on his iPad, Romans chapter 8. He's reading it. And I look at him, and I'm like, I said, you're, you're her brother. We're reading the same chapter, and we started talking Found out he's from Nigeria. His, him and his wife are from Nigeria. I got his card. And he's a pastor in Cyprus, uh, not far from here. It's a um, Reformed Church of God. And we just had the most amazing fellowship about Romans chapter 8. And he said, I want to call you. I'd like to connect with you. And I just thought, it's not amazing. I said, think of the, I said, this must be the mind of the Spirit for this row in our plane. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. How does this change us? How does this change us? Richard Wormbrandt, who is a, he was a Romanian pastor years, many years ago under the years of communism in Romania. And he was in jail for 14 years and he was tortured and he wrote many books about torture for Christ. And he's just really an out of the box thinker. And he wrote these words about how the spirit of adoption changes us. And there's a science to this. 
And when we understand adoption, we are literally changed. Let me, let me get into it. Since genes and DNA have been discovered, we, have no, we know new things about heredity. We know, and listen to this, we know what irresistible forces working good and evil are conveyed to us by our heritage from our ancestors. There's also a hereditary of the spirit. There's also a heredity of the spirit, he goes on to say. God is truly our father. Heavenly Jerusalem is our mother. We inherit from God not only his kingdom, but also his character. The seed of God is in us in 1 John 3, verse 9. We can look at it like this. English-speaking children are going to be speaking English. Chinese children from, Chinese, from China are going to be speaking China. The children of God, what do we speak? We speak words of God, don't we? We speak words of faith. We speak his mind. Peter says in 1, 1 Peter 4, 11, he said, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We not only inherit God's characteristics, but we have inherited the seed of his DNA. Now, how many of you have ever read about DNA, genetics? Raise your hand. Anybody read about that? Is that fascinating or what? Okay, I read this, and I was reading this last night. I want to just say a few things. These are people, these are, ge- these are geneticists, or, right? Is that the right word? Geneticists? That study DNA, but they're not saved. I don't think they're saved. But this is what one writes. He goes, listen to the fascinating stuff here, okay? This is what happens when you come to church in July... Here in spring, you get to a message about DNA. One of the major functions of DNA is that it receives, and don't think I'm new age, just listen to me, okay? That it receives and transmits energy, okay? By the way, Albert Einstein said this, everything is energy and it's all, that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality that you want and you cannot help but get that reality. It can be no other way. This is not philosophy, this is physics. So our DNA receives and transmits. This has been shown, this, this writer goes on to say, his name is Bruce Lipton, to be one of the major functions of junk DNA. You ever hear that? Junk DNA? That 95% of our DNA is junk? I don't know. That didn't sound too edifying when I first read it. But 95% of our, uh, of our DNA is what is called junk DNA. It's called junk DNA because they don't know what it is used for. But now they've understood that this is what was... Um, this is now beginning to be understood as an essential component, he writes, of our biology and DNA. One of the new discoveries in DNA, as Bruce Lipton writes, talks about, and there's some big words here, and I don't want to lose you guys, but it just literally means it's epigenetic control, genetic control, which means literally above genetic. It means that there's something in our life, and this is an unsaved guy writing it, that is stronger and more powerful than our own personal DNA. Does that make sense? Okay. The new understanding of DNA is that genes, which are DNA codes, is dictated as a result of our environment. We know that if we are in the environment, I'm getting ahead of myself, the environment of God, that's going to change us. Okay, this DNA, this DNA, this junk DNA, 95% of our DNA reads and not only adapts, but it is also impacting and changing our environment. Are you following me? Is that making sense? Okay, so there is... What makes the coding, if you want to use, if you're an IT guy, the the coding, the hard coding that makes us up in us, our DNA actually can be be changed and it can also impact our environment. Food, by the way, my wife will tell you, food can actually break down your DNA, bad food. Good food actually can heal it. 
Here's an interesting, I like science. Here's an interesting test that was done recently by this guy, Bruce Lipton. What he did was he took people into this laboratory. I don't know how he did it. And he would have them, whenever they would be in a mood or something, and I'm not sure how he did this, but when they were very negative or angry, um, they, would be in the, they would be in the presence of some water in a test environment. And when that person would come into that environment, either neg- negative or angry or, or sad or depressed or whatever, in some kind of broken emotion, he would flash freeze that water. Have you heard about this? He would flash freeze that water and he would examine the crystallization of that water. And in the presence of negativity and anger and sadness and all of these um, broken emotions, the, the molecular structure of the crystallized water would be chaotic. It would be just a mess. It would make no sense. But when you take someone who was <clears throat> a person who was, and he talked about this person, he would talk about positive thinking or whatever, happy. But when somebody would come in with right thinking, he would flash freeze that water and he would look at the molecular structure of the crystallized water under a microscope and he said there were these beautiful designs. Incredibly, it was like a kaleidoscope. It was so organized and it was so beautiful. There was so much order to it. There was so much health to it. Isn't that interesting? That what you and I fellowship with is going to actually affect us and we are going to in turn reflect that. Does that make sense? They're called biophotons. So, some fun stuff for you to look at later on your own time. Our DNA, <clears throat> our physical DNA, and our pastor wrote a book called Regened, can actually be regened. We can actually be regened. So what is this, how does this, how does this relate to adoption? <clears throat> how does this relate to adoption? Someone gets adopted into the family of God, and, and what happens with the old genes, the, these genetic structure that creates chaos, can create chaos, in his environment, we are actually given new DNA, brand new DNA. And this is how it works, is that when God gives us a brand new heart, when, when, when we trust in the nature and the character of God, he gives us a brand new heart in Ezekiel 11, verse 19 and 36, 26. God's nature begins to reconstruct and create a grace soul structure. Does that make sense? He begins to recreate. That means that this DNA that I have <clears throat> can be reconstructed into new patterns of thinking, into new patterns of reaction that literally physically. And by the way, that's why the Bible talks about a, gen- a generational curse. You know what that means is that every decision that we make impacts our, gen- our, our DNA. And, if, and when we have kids, it affects their DNA as well. That's why that's why that's why the Bible talks about this generational curse. And it seems like. That in some generation after generation after generation, there are these very similar faults. But God gives us a brand new heart. And this brand new heart is something that begins to reconstruct who we are in our DNA. In time by faith, listen to this, our wounds and old habits are replaced. And we are a new creation with a self-image in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. We literally, if you... If there was some way to do it, and I don't know how to do it, but if you were to do a DNA sample of life before Christ and then life after Christ, I think that we could actually show in some way a brand new 
DNA. In time, by faith, wounds and old habits are replaced, and we have this new creation self-image. Feelings no longer control us. The truth of God, of who God is, dominates our, our mortal body. Now, this make, doesn't this bring Romans 8.11 to a brand new light? Yeah. That it's the Spirit of God that <clears throat> can quicken <clears throat> our mortal bodies? This is beautiful. We are given a brand new DNA. This is just so new to me, and I was just reading this last night and just so in, in, enveloped in this. We are effectively regened. We are effectively regened. Psalm 119, verse 25, Romans 8, verse 11. <clears throat> this is what 1 John 3 9 means. <clears throat> no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Because in 1 John, because in 1 John 1 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the fruit and the truth is not in us. So new birth creates a new DNA, as it were, in this person, a divine-like DNA that cannot be content, that cannot be content, and it's not okay with this new DA, DNA for us to continue in sin. It's just not okay. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it's, like putting, it's like putting synthetic oil into a car that's been running on motor oil all of its time, all of its life. What does this mean practically for us? The DNA of Christ is literally, and there are Bible verses that talk about, is formed in us. This is what Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, and I love how Paul says this. I labored like a woman giving birth until Christ be formed in you. Isn't that amazing? That means that there are people in your life that are laboring, like, like myself, I'm your pastor, and other people that are laboring in your life that Christ would be formed in you. When I pray for this church as a pastor, well, you know what my prayer is? My first prayer before anything else is that Christ would be formed in you, that he's, he is in you, but that that would grow in, in Colossians 1 verse 27, that Christ would be formed in you and that, and that would dominate and change and quicken us into the image of who we are in Christ. It's like, an, it's like a child coming into a family. And I remember when we took, when, we, when Caleb came into the family, there would be moments in the first couple of days, he'd be playing and then he would kind of look at us like, are we good? Like, do you know what I'm saying? That look of like affirmation. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like he'd look at us like with this questionable look, like almost like fear or like, like, or he would do something and maybe, I don't know, he would get, he would do something and that would, that would have created a negative response from the previous family. He would look at us like, am I going to get wailed on right now or what? And we would immediately, my wife and I could immediately sense it, and we would affirm unconditional love, and that he's a new creation, that he's in a new, in a new environment. The DNA of Christ formed in us by the labor of men, such as Paul. My little children, he said, for whom I again, in the anguish of childbirth, I've never given birth to child, children, but if you've had the anguish of childbirth, that is what Paul is talking about as a pastor wanting Christ to be formed in you. That's my prayer for this church. And that's why, that's why, like, that's why I'll send you a text if I see you. Don't think I'm like, spying on you or following up on you or control. It's I want Christ formed in your life. I want, I want you to take part of just such a healthy environment. We are not only adopted, but adopted into sonship. And we experience that as Christ is being formed in us. What is the main goal of God in your life? Okay, what's God's number one goal in your life? Remember this, Romans 8, verse 29, that Christ would be formed in you. Not that we would become compliant to some new religious law 
or some compliant to some religious culture. And by the way, Texas and in the South, I'll tell you that there's a whole culture of Christianity here. And I think that people spend a lot of time talking about conforming to a culture instead of being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 We can say amen here. It's all right. Get a little we can get a little excited. Um, we, are, we are not only adopted, but we are adopted into a sonship. Number three in closing. Wayne Grudem says this. He said, when we begin to realize the excellence of these blessings as adopted sons of God, when that begins to dawn on us, that I'm adopted, that, that like, okay, I'm in a new family. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get kicked out. Then I can relax and begin to enjoy the blessings of the house, of the, of the household. We begin to appreciate that God has no obligation to us. Do you know something? I heard it said this way, and I don't know who said it. I read it last night. That God did not need to adopt us. God had one son, and that was enough for him. That was enough. God did not have to adopt us. But we needed God to adopt us. We needed to be adopted. We needed to be taken in. We were on the street like these kids in Odessa, sniffing glue so that we could get fed at the end of the day. We needed this adoption. We, and, and we need to have this affirm. If you've been a believer for 30, 40 years, you and I need to be affirmed of our adoption of our adopted hood or, or, or our adoption in Christ, Wayne Gruden goes on to say that when we appreciate that God has no obligation to us, any of them, then we will be able to exclaim with the Apostle John in 1 John 3, 1, how great is this love the Father has lavished, bestowed profusely on us that we should be called the children of God. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Then this is the way it is that how wonderful how awesome it is that we should be called the children of God. That she that could not bear is that, is that as barren shall bear more children. And what is that? That's the church. We've been adopted into the family of God. We are children of love. We are in the love of God. And I want to just close it with this in Jude. In the book of Jude, it ends this way. I love the book of Jude. It says this. Endeavor to keep yourself in the love of God. It doesn't say that you have to strive to keep yourself in the love of God. We heard this past week that the, one of the words for striving or endeavoring is actually discover. Isn't that a beautiful word in the Greek? Discover more about the depth of the love of God in your life. Can I tell you something? When you want to condemn yourself because of a, a spirit that is not the spirit of adoption, but maybe a spirit of slavery and rejection from the old family, which is the family of the world system, when you want to live in that, don't live in rejection. Don't live, and if, and if you have trouble with that and you're close to somebody, your mate or your family or friend, when, the, when they see that you're living in old patterns of self-rejection and self-hatred and self-whatever you call it, have them affirm in you the nature and the spirit of adoption, that we are now partakers of the divine nature. Remember that picture, famous picture, President Kennedy and his little kid under the table, under his desk? That's the spirit of adoption. That we belong in the throne room of God. That's home for us. We belong at that throne of grace. That's where we belong. That's our affinity. And when we doubt and when we live in fear, the spirit of God is in us and he's crying out, Abba, Father, which is another way to translate that is, Father, my Father. And it's also crying out in Romans chapter 8, praying for us in our affinity. I mean, in our infirmity. Isn't that beautiful? Let's grow in this grace Let's grow in this because we like this precious girl, uh, Bonita, that was in Africa. We are rescued 
and we were put on a ship and that we're named after that ship. And that ship is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Transported into the kingdom of God in royalty. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the power of adoption. We thank you, Lord, that it's not just being in a new environment, but we are now partakers of a new DNA and that we are actually being changed, that we we are changing like our, our DNA, our molecular structure is being changed from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Lord, we praise you and we thank you, God, that this July 1st, 2018, we can be stirred up in the fact that we belong and that we're never going to be back out on the street no matter what happens to us. And we can always run back to the arms of the Father and be affirmed in who we are in Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise you. And if you're here this morning, I don't want to forget to do this. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've heard about this man as a religious miracle worker. Jesus and Christianity is the only religion that says that you cannot do anything to change your condition. You can only receive the free gift of salvation. Just say yes to Jesus today. Maybe you don't know what that means. Maybe you don't know really what it all means, but you will be forgiven. Your debts will be canceled, and you'll come into a family, the family of God, a spiritual family, where you'll discover joy, peace, and security. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing the last song.